Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is the podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Ephesians. Today is episode 611. We're looking at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 20 through 23. Let's read our passage. He exercised this power in Christ by raising him from the dead and seating him at the right hand in the heavens, far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion, and every title given not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he subjected everything under his feet and appointed him as head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. This is Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. Paul is in prison, house arrest, for this two-year period that we see at the end of Acts. He's in Rome, and he's sending some letters to some of the churches that he's had relationships with, In the past, one of them is Ephesus. He spent a considerable time in Ephesus on his third missionary journey. Although he hasn't been with them in four or five years, he still cares about them and is sending this letter to strengthen them. He's sending Tychicus to Colossae, and he's going to pass through Ephesus on the way. So he writes this letter to the church in Ephesus. He's trying to encourage them as a church and help them to understand that whatever trouble they're going through in regular life, The riches that are available to them on the spiritual realm far outweigh any problems they have. So again, kind of a review of the past, present, future, election, redemption, and inheritance. Then he starts giving this praise and prayer of thanksgiving. He's concluding that with making points similar to what he did in Colossians of the supremacy of Christ. Now with Colossians, the focus was the supremacy of Christ over creation. His point here really is that Christ is the head of the church. So verse 20, he exercised this power in Christ by raising him from the dead. So he is God. This is continuing the statements he was making from last time. In verse 19, he said, What's the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the mighty working of his strength? This is continuing that. He exercised this power in Christ by raising him from the dead. So God exercised this power. What power? that power of Christ working in our lives. He was talking about all the power that God has revealed through Christ, and that's the power working in the lives of of believers today. This power he exercised in Christ by raising him from the dead. And this is the whole point. The resurrection is something not just a gloss over, oh yeah, Jesus rose from the dead, but that is an amazing act which proves the gospel is true. So he raised Christ from the dead, and seated him at his right hand in the heavens. So this is speaking to Christ's position over everything. He's the right hand of God the Father, which is the place of preeminence, the place of authority. So in verse 21, it continues, Far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion, and every title given. Now you can say this is both spiritual issues and earthly issues, or you could some just say it's purely spiritual issues. Go with uh, what he talks about in Colossians. He's really there talking when he talks about powers and authorities and rulers and dominion. He's talking about angelic beings. It's in the, a lot of popular Jewish thought that angels had this hierarchy and angels had authority over different areas. And his point in Colossians was, well, Jesus is way above all that. 
regardless of what you believe as far as any hierarchy of angels. It doesn't matter because Jesus is over all those. So don't be trying to get in touch with these angels because of their high position. Go to Christ directly. And he's making the same point here. That whatever this hierarchy of angels may or may not be, it doesn't matter because Christ is above them all. And notice he says, far above them all. And something, this is referring to both the angelic beings and any worldly rulers. Regardless, it's Christ is above all authorities. And continues not only in this age, but also the one to come. So the here and now, and the age to come, which is after Christ returns, and we have a new heaven and a new earth, he will be above all things then. He's above all things now, and he'll be above all things then. Verse 22, and he subjected everything under his feet. That's saying God, the Father, subjected everything under God, the Son, his feet, and appointed him as head over everything for the church. Now this, he subjected everything under his feet, is really a quote from Psalm 8, 6. And in that psalm, the psalmist is looking back at creation and talking about how amazing it is that God basically put everything under the dominion of people. We see that from the Genesis account of creation, that he created people and gave them authority over everything on earth. Everything's under the dominion of people. And the psalmist was making a point of that, of what an amazing thing that is. Well, Paul is using that quote, but now applying it to Christ. Where things on earth may be under the dominion of man, even though it is corrupted by sin, everything, he just made the point in verse 22, even spiritual things are under the dominion of Christ. He subjected everything under his feet. So God the Father subjected everything under Christ's feet and appointed him as head over everything for the church. That's two ways to take this, and I think they're both true, pointing his head over everything for the church, is that we're just referring to Christ as head of the church, for all that authority is for the benefit of the church. Probably both true, so I'm hard-pressed to choose which one of those. But the point is, is the supremacy of Christ over everything and the supremacy of Christ over the church. Verse 23 continues, which is his body? the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. So here we see the idea of the church as the body of Christ. Now, last phrase, the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. Again, that's another one that can be taken, translated a, a couple of different ways. It's talking about the fullness of God, the fullness of Christ, the fullness of God in Christ, the fullness of Christ filling the church. It, all those things are true, and it's hard to say exactly what it is. What he's speaking to here is the majesty of Christ, that as the head of the church, which is his body, he is in charge, and he is perfectly capable of being in charge. We see the church as the body of Christ. Now, when we think church, too often we think organization. We think the church on the corner as an entity, but what is church? The, the Greek word for church is ekklesia, which just means assembly. 
gathering. It is the gathering of the people. We see throughout the Old Testament that word used. It's the Hebrew word, kahar, which basically means assembly. And we see it used to describe the gathering of the people of God. So talking about the community of God's people, we see that at Mount Sinai in the Old Testament. And throughout the Old Testament, that Hebrew word kahar is the assembly, just referring to the community of God's people. Then in Matthew 16, when Jesus says, on this rock I'll build my church, that's the first place we see church in the New Testament. In the, the Greek New Testament says ekklesia, assembly, gathering. But Jesus wasn't speaking Greek. Matthew just wrote the gospel in Greek. Jesus was speaking probably Aramaic, which is the same word as Hebrew, kahar. So Jesus said, on this rock I'll build my kahar, my assembly. And other guys there say, what's well, a church? They know what he means. He's talking about the gathering of believers, the gathering of God's people. On this rock I'll build my gathering of people. We call that the church. So the church is not the organization. The church is not the building. The church is not the, even the local congregation. There is a local congregation we call a church. But the church, the body of Christ, is all the followers of Christ, all the people of God. That is the body of Christ. This finishes up chapter 1. This finishes up this section of praise to the glory of God. Next time we'll start chapter two, where Paul's talking about what it actually looks like to follow Christ. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through Ephesians.